0: Whether you drive a car, need a car, or just occasionally bum a ride with friends, you've come to the right place. Join Jill and Tom as they break down everything that's going on in the auto world. New car reviews, shopping tips, driving green, electric cars, classic cars, and plenty of great guests. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. All right, this
1: is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. And in case your sound is off this week... I'm not Tom Appel, uh, who is the publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. Instead, I'm Jill Simonello, a contributing editor at Consumer Guide and one of the co hosts for the show. Um, I am back from a two week hiatus uh, of traveling for work. And um, yeah. Tom decided not to come today. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with that. I think he uh, decided uh, last week after joking about my, my orange theory um, deprogramming that he decided to go check it out himself. And he's uh, he's like doing a little marathon month all in one day today. So he isn't, he's not able to join us today. Um, But thank you all for joining us. And when you have a chance, uh, be sure to check out Consumer Guide on the web at consumerguide.com. As Tom always points out, the website is a wealth of information from car reviews, car buying tips, 2023 Best Buy picks, and past episodes of the podcast. So if you have missed any previous episodes, be sure to check us out on the homepage uh so uh since tom is not here i have a guest host this week and who is online with us my guest host is nicole wakeland who is a fellow north american car of the Year juror and a women's world car of the Year juror and she is a freelancer whose work is found in places like forbes and true car hi nicole hello
2: <laughs> thank you for joining <laughs> us today how are you doing on this fine monday I'm doing lovely on this fine Monday, although it's really dreary here. It's like rainy and it's kind of bleh. It's not a very summery day. So where is here? Here is New Hampshire. I'm in the Northeast. Okay, so
1: I'm in Chicago. You are in the Northeast. And the sun poked its head out today. Um, it was dreary
2: this morning, but it looks like uh, it's brightening up here. I'm watching the guys across the street try and roof my neighbor's house, and I'm desperately worried that one of them is just going to slip off and plummet to his doom. I don't know how they're doing this. <laughs> well, you'll have to give us a little bit of a play-by-play or keep us up to date later to make sure
1: that nobody has fallen off That the everybody roof. survived. I, yeah, that everybody survived. Everybody is, is good to go.
2: Um, so can you just tell us a little bit more about who you are and, and what you do? yeah so i'm a freelance automotive journalist i've been doing this for a little over a decade now and i have a couple of podcasts that you can listen to me on i'm on the wheel bearings podcast and i also host my own podcast called the road reflected which jill you were a guest a co-host with me a couple of weeks back so if you find out that episode you can listen to me and jill on the road reflected
1: yes and um before we uh logged on today uh we were talking a little bit about sad food Um, (laughs) Nicole and I have this ongoing conversation about sad food because Mm -hmm. um, I tend to be gluten-free and dairy-free and um, I think it all tastes very lovely and Nicole does not.
2: I have to explain. She tried to hand me a cookie at an event. (laughs) It was gluten free. And she walks up to me and she goes, here, try this. And immediately, although it looks like a really cute cookie, all I could think of is this is going to be some gluten free, sugar free, happiness free cookie. So I said, is that a sad cookie? Thus, the sad gluten free food thing was born. Yeah. And she's forever trying to get me to eat uh, sad food. I'm, I, and I'm going to continue
1: to try to get you to eat sad food because I do not think it's sad. And I'm sure butter tastes good and all, but I, I think coconut oil also tastes quite lovely.
2: Okay, fine, fine.
1: I know. I know. I'm just saying, you have not had the appropriate sad food if
2: you think it is I've all sad. I've had a lot of sad food thanks <laughs> to you. I am constantly going places where you're like, here, try this sad cookie or this sad muffin or this sad brownie. And they're all still sad, Jill.
1: Yeah. <sighs> They're not. Sad. I see
2: sad food in the grocery store. Now I think of you. I take pictures. Look at sad cookies in the grocery store. Sad whatever. They yeah. don't taste as good. I even try mm. my kids try them. They're like, oh, mom, this isn't good. I'm like, I know it's sad, isn't it? <laughs>
1: I know. So like, whenever I get a text from Nicole, I'm always like, what sad food is she sending me this week? Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much how it works. <laughs> oh, well, uh, so I, I do actually have something sad to say. Um, so kind of a transition here. I'm, I'm Probably not as good at transitions as Tom is, um, since this is my first time doing this alone. But um, this is definitely on the sad side. The podcast lost a friend over the weekend. Um, our friend Enrique Ramirez, who has um, been a past guest on the show, uh, passed away um, after a five and a half year fight with cancer. And um, you know, he was uh, he used to work at Road America, and um, when I was the president of the Midwest Automotive Media Association, he was a huge help to me. Um, um, organizing the event and making sure everything stayed on track, and and became a, a personal friend of mine. And so, I was really sad to learn of his passing over the weekend. And I knew I knew he was fighting fighting the good fight. Um, and. Um, Did not win. So just wanted to dedicate this show to him, actually, because he was such a good soul and did a lot of fundraising for American Cancer Society. And so if you are looking for a place to donate, I would request that you um, maybe donate some money to American Cancer Society and and think of Enrique because he was he was a great guy and he will definitely be missed. So uh, just just needed to give a shout out and dedicating the show to him. So. On to less sad news, at least I I, I think it's less sad. Um, There are some people out there who are kind of sad about it. Um, (laughs) That's that's true. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The the Toyota Land Cruiser came back Mm -hmm. um, after a three-year hiatus, um, and you and I were both in Salt Lake City. Uh, at the uh, and, and so by the way, I keep saying the Toyota Land Rover. So if I call it the Land Rover <laughs> during the show, it's uh, been a merger. <laughs> uh, please just kind of like wave your hands at me and say you said that wrong. Um, okay. I had to redo my video introduction three times because I kept saying, you know, I'm here at the Land Rover Heritage Museum for the Toyota Land Rover, and I'm like, it is not a Land Rover, mm-hmm. um, Land Cruiser. I, I and, and like I Toyota Land Cruiser. That came back after a three-year hiatus. And, uh, you know, during the press presentation, they had said that they never fully intended for Land Cruiser to be gone. So uh, they, they took this hiatus. They completely redesigned it from the ground up. New platform, new um, suspension, new sheet metal, new um, interior, new, 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 new. But um, definitely a throwback to the old Land Cruisers. So what did you think?
2: Yeah, well, so my first impression, when we first look at it, I mean, the styling, I think is great. I think when you're talking about that throwback kind of attitude that this one has, it's not, it's not like a pretty sexy, streamlined, elegant <laughs> SUV <laughs> no, <laughs> no, at it's not. all. It's square and blocky and kind of feels like it's in your face and coming right for you in in the best way possible. Um, I like the design. I think that's I think it's good. I think it makes it feel rugged and this is a capable SUV. It's not just a, oh, we can go off road and they mean like, you know, the the parking lot that's dirt at the local fair. They mean go off road where there is no road and no nothing and no one pointing you just go. So I think it looks the part. Do you think it looks the part, Jill?
1: Yeah, no, I definitely think it looks the part. Um, you know, so at the at the event they had the base 1958 model and then the Land Cruiser Land Cruiser. Um, I see everything twice trim. Um, I, I I don't I don't know why they they I, I hate it when automakers say it. You know, it's like Mazda. It's like the Mazda three. Do
2: you just call it the three or is it the Mazda Mazda three? Um, oh, every single time <laughs> I write a story about Mazda, I'm like I have to check with. The whoever I'm writing for, do you want Mazda 3 or do you want Mazda Mazda? Like, how do you want me to say Mazda? What's your personal way of dealing with this weirdness? Yeah.
1: So so the middle trim of the Land Cruiser is Land Cruiser. So you have the Toyota Land Cruiser Land Cruiser, the Toyota Land Cruiser 1958. That's the base trim. And then the Toyota Land Cruiser First Edition. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did not get to see the First Edition. That was not on hand. Um, so we saw the 1958 and... Land Cruiser, Land Cruiser, and I, I mean, come on! <laughs> it just so makes silly. me laugh every time. <laughs> um, and so um, the you know the the mid grade trim is. And I'm just going to call it the mid grade trim because that sounds better than Land Cruiser, okay. Land Cruiser. Um, so the mid grade trim has uh, some more upscale finishing touches. It has leatherette seating surfaces, heated and ventilated seats. It has um, the available white roof. It has the um, square headlights or rectangular, I guess I should say headlights. So that kind of differentiates it Um, and then you look at the 1958 model and that is actually for me I think the model that I liked the most because I loved the retro cloth seats and you know it has definitely a much less refined interior but to me that's the kind of interior that somebody who's going to own the Land Cruiser wants because they want a functional utilitarian cool
2: vehicle and the base model the 1958 that's it for me. Yeah, it's funny. I, like the 1958 is the base and it, it, I think generally speaking, base models of cars are not what you want. You normally mm-hmm. want to go up just the scotch because the base model is missing stuff you really want. On this one, I'm like, but I really like this one. Mm-hmm. I like the base model. I want to start with this. You don't get as big of an infotainment screen. I think it's like yeah. eight inches yeah. versus 12.3. So you get, you know, and the sounds, the speakers, six speaker audio on the base. It's 10 speakers on the mid grade. So there's some little extras that you miss. If you can forego those sort of convenience features that don't necessarily make it better driving wise, I like the Land Cruiser f- 1958, I like the look of it, mm-hmm. I like the style, because it's the only one that, If I, I think it's the only one with the round uh, headlights, I right? I think the first edition will also have the round, but we this didn't first, see it. <laughs> we didn't see it, so we don't know, But because it's a very different look, whether mm-hmm. you have the rectangular or the round, which I like the round better.
1: I, I would agree, and, and Toyota said that both the rectangular and the round are throwbacks, to the, um, like heritage models. And mm-hmm. so, um, and I, will be honest with you, I am not a land cruiser aficionado by it, as you can tell by the fact that I keep calling it a Land Rover. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, but, uh, you know, so I couldn't tell you which J whatever it was associated with. Um, but there are a lot of people out there who are kind of sad about this because they think that it looks like a defender. They think it looks like, you know, the a Ford Bronco, and they're like, "Oh, this is just a Ford Bronco replica." And I was, just, you know, and I mean, we the, the the vehicles revealed in the Land Cruiser Heritage Museum in Salt Lake City, and there mm-hmm. were models like dating back to, you know, I, I think it, what is it, it, 1958 is when it was. In, incepted, so yes. that's the the base of it. So what? That's I, I can't do math on the fly. Um, that's a long Six, time, sixty seven. something years. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm like, don't okay. don't ask me to do math. I'm on the fly. I'm counting on my fingers. <laughs> yeah, um, I didn't I did not plan that conversation that thought out very well. But um, at any rate, there's a lot of models in that uh, museum dating back to the original, and you can see a piece of a lot of those different heritage versions in this vehicle. So when everybody says to me, "Oh, this is a Defender, this is a blank, this is a blank. I'm like, no, no, go back and look at your photos of past land cruisers. And uh, you will see this is actually a direct nod to previous land cruisers.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it really is. You're you're absolutely right. You look at it and there an. I can see what they're saying. There's an element of other vehicles. There's an element of Bronco to it. There's an element of, you know, Defender to it. That's almost like okay, so it's sort of almost modern styling for rugged SUVs right now There is a certain look to them But in terms of when you really take a look at this you look at the design cues you look at the older versions of the Land Cruiser you can see it's like oh well It's got a modern touch to it But yeah, it really looks like some of these Land Cruisers that we Mm -hmm. saw and there were there must have been like a hundred Land Cruisers inside it was they were parked so close to each other in this giant aisle that we walked down that you really couldn't walk between them I don't Mm -hmm. know who was the brave soul who parked all those (laughs) I was like somebody had nerves of steel to park all these very you know limited versions Mm -hmm. of these Land Cruisers but you can see the evolution of the actual vehicle looking at all them and you can Mm -hmm. see pieces of those old vehicles when you look at this one so Mm -hmm. I think it's a good combination of what's just just the current styling and trending of rugged SUVs and a nod to the history and the heritage of Land Cruiser, which is really important to people because this has a serious fan base. There's Mm -hmm. people who just, I mean, it has a museum. How many, (laughs) to (laughs) to have a museum that's just one vehicle, not like the Toyota Museum, one vehicle. You have to have a serious fan base to pull that off. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, what I thought was really funny is when we got to the reveal, they were like, you must wear your name tag to the event. You must wear your name tag to the event. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, why are they so stressed out about us wearing our name tags to the event? Well, apparently word had gotten out that the reveal was happening at the museum that evening, and a whole bunch of Land Cruiser enthusiasts were planning on, like, crashing the party. And they're like, if you do not have your name tag, you will not be allowed into
2: the event. So uh, yes. yeah, and they were checking us all off like as we mm-hmm. walked in the door people were checking they had a list if your name You had your name tag if you didn't appear on the list is like I suppose it was like see you later Yeah, get out Um but yeah, it was it was very um, it was very tightly controlled. And I, yeah. I do have to say that I love that your way of remembering to bring your name tag, <laughs> I believe, it was, to put your name tag with your shoes. Yeah, I, I attached it to my shoes because
1: I, like, forget my name tag pretty much everywhere I go. And people are like, where's your name tag? And I'm like, well, I don't know. Um, so I was like, "If I if they are so vocal about us remembering our name tags, I got to do it uh but uh, but yeah I did I did remember my name tag. I was on the list, I was allowed into the event um, I, I do um you know we're, we're getting close to to running out of time um, on this segment, but the, there yeah. is one more thing I need to bring up in terms of why land cruiser fans might be sad. Mm-hmm. and I didn't even realize this was a thing. So you tell me if you know if this is a thing. Um the taillights on the Land Cruiser and the Blinker is red. And I didn't realize that there are a lot of people out there that there there's actually Facebook groups dedicated to amber blinker signals
2: and amber taillights. Wait. Okay, can I just tell you until I saw this in the show notes because you put in that I was uh-huh. I thought what? I didn't know this was a thing. I literally learned when I opened the show notes earlier today. I thought, "Hmm, learn something new. Yeah. Yeah. So I, again,
1: had no idea this was a thing. Um, But I, one of the things I like to do on my TikToks is I'll um, try and capture the blinker, the turn signal indicators on vehicles. And so I had early access to um, the Land Cruiser and I powered it on in accessory mode and then turned the blinker on and then just did a walk around, which, by the way, if you go to my TikTok, you can see it there. I think it's also on my Instagram. Um, It may even be on TikTok. I feel like I uploaded it everywhere because I didn't realize it was a thing, but it's a thing. (laughs) Um, So I, I, you know, walked around and um, one of our automotive colleagues, Ed Kim, who um, is the owner of Auto Pacifica, Or Auto Pacific, I wanna say Pacifica, but it's like not Pacifica. Um, He was the one who pointed it out. Um, Pacifica is a minivan. Um, But he was the one who pointed it out, and he was like, oh my gosh, no amber taillights. And he was like, this is a big deal. And he was like, I'm posting it to my
2: Facebook group about amber taillights. And I was like, what? What? I had no idea. It's the funniest thing. And that's part of the fan base thing. They have little tiny things that if mm-hmm. you dare mess with them, a pox upon you, like they don't want you to mess with things that are supposed to be in their head the way they were intended. And apparently those, those, t- that, that wasn't, that was an issue. We're going to yeah. see how angry people are as, as it comes out. Are they going to change out the covers or something. I don't know. Make them not the right, make them the color they should be. I don't know. And may- maybe,
1: maybe Toyota, maybe Toyota for the mid-cycle refresh or year two refresh, maybe they will take this into consideration and maybe there could be amber taillights in the future. Could be, you never know. I don't I don't know. Um, all right, so um, it is time for us to take a break. And when we come back, it's going to be time to talk to Carl Brower, who is the executive analyst at iccars.com. <laughs>
0: Questions or comments? Drop us a line at carstuff at consumerguide.com. That's carstuff at consumerguide.com. Welcome back to the Car Stuff Podcast.
1: All right, we're back, and I'm still not Tom Appel, but this is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. Thanks for sticking around. Nicole, this is the part of the show where Tom usually pimps his Twitter account. And I refuse to call it by its new name. Um, to me, that sounds kind of <laughs> pornographic, so I'm not going to do it. Um, so I'll go ahead and give him a little plug. And uh, you can follow Tom Appel at Car Guy Tom, which is Car underscore Guy underscore Tom. And you can also search for the hashtag that he used, which is Car Spotter. And he usually posts some interesting, unique, unusual, old, new cars or trucks. And I've picked up this hashtag. I use it occasionally. Um, I saw, actually, since we were in Salt Lake City, I actually saw a really interesting, I don't know if you call it a van cab truck Um, that was (laughs) Chevrolet. (laughs) Yeah, with a dually. Um, Last week, I was, like, working out at the gym, and I'm, like, seeing it out my window. And I was like, wait, wait, wait. And I'm like, picture, picture, picture. So... um, that, that is also on the, the CarSpotter hashtag this week, so uh, be sure to check that out. Tom says he promises to entertain you, but yeah, I'll, I'll let you all decide for yourself if you're entertained or not, and you, you can tell him. You can feel free to tell him if you're entertained um but our guest for today is carl browder and he is the executive analyst at ic cars and um he actually this is the second time here he decided to come back we didn't scare him away um and today we are going to be talking about um something that i find to be really interesting and it's what's happening with used ev prices so uh carl hi how are you doing today
3: I'm doing well. And, and uh, thankfully, uh, I didn't scare you guys too much to, <laughs> enough to, to not let me come back again. So thanks thanks, uh, thanks for letting me on again.
1: No, absolutely. Uh, you are a great guest and you have a lot of information. Um, so before we dig into used EV prices, can you just tell us a little bit about um, IC cars and um, what you do with them?
3: Sure. Yeah. IC cars is both Um, a vehicle listing site where people can shop for their next vehicle, new or used. We've got the dealer listings from across the country, as well as private individuals. And you can filter on all the standard things, price, distance, year, mileage, all the things you'd want to filter down to find the car you want. But we also have a lot of great content and editorial about uh, what's going on in the marketplace, how to buy a car, what the best deals are in any given month, because we've got a very talented data team that just loves crunching numbers. And uh, I'm surprised as a once upon a time enthusiast car guy that used to work for places like Super Street and the Hot Rod Magazine now become kind of a data wonk. But um, (laughs) I do love the idea that you've got facts and figures to back up what you're talking about. So, yes.
1: We, we all need more facts and figures. Um, well, in, before we, I, 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 I said before we get into this before, but before we get into, before we get into um, the, the UCV prices, Nicole and I, before the break, we were talking about um, the Toyota Land Cruiser reveal, and you were there as yeah. well. Um, yeah. So just uh, wondering if you had any thoughts about the Land Cruiser, and uh, if you have any facts and figures you want to spew about that. <laughs>
3: You know, uh, I think Toyota did exactly what they needed to do for that car, right? And they understood it, thankfully, obviously. Um, they they reduced the price, which mm-hmm. was important because it became become kind of this bloated luxury vehicle that nobody could afford. Certainly not very many people who otherwise wouldn't have just bought a Sequoia or now a Grand Highlander and gotten the same effective family vehicle with much more updated technology and, and ride quality. So they needed to Put it back into the hands of people who want to go off-roading and can afford to go off-roading with something that costs in the fifties, not the eighties. So that was all brilliant. Uh, It's smaller and more off-road oriented, which is what that vehicle is supposed to always be about. So I think all those were the right direction. Some people who are (laughs) probably more hardcore off-roading than I am were not thrilled with some of the facts and figures. An example being that it comes with I think like thirty-three inch wheels and. People that I were talking to at the event were saying, you know, it's not going to fit more than a 34-inch wheel unless you start cutting fenders, and of course, you can get 36, 37-inch wheels on uh, Rubicons, (laughs) Ringo, Rubicons, and Broncos. So is it as extreme off-road capable as the hardcore off-road people would like? It sounds like maybe not for some of them, but also, um, you know, there's a TRD version coming that'll be more crazy, and... Most of the people who are going to buy that car and drive it most of the time, it'll do exactly what they need it to do. So Toyota knows all this, and I think they did just what they should have with the car.
1: Yeah. And I mean, the one thing, the fact and figure that we did not mention when we were talking about it is the base price is going to be $55,000. So thank you for bringing that up. I forgot that we forgot to mention that. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I mean, this will kind of lead into the EV conversation, but this this has a hybrid powertrain. Um, yep. So And it's hybrid only. So uh, Toyota is really making a push towards electrification, um, if not EV only, definitely in terms of hybrid, and it seems like maybe that might be a good thing because, uh, as a recent report that IC Cars put out said, EV um, used EV prices are completely plummeting right now, and I yeah. find that to be crazy.
3: It feels kind of like a switch has been flipped, uh, you know. And 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 when you look at the data again, being the data wonk I've become, <laughs> uh, it, it's nice when your intu- intuitive sense starts to line up with hard figures and facts and numbers. And you know there's a there's a graph in our study that I just think is so telling and it's January's year over year price for used EVs from January to June every mm-hmm. month. Mm-hmm. And so you know that means what were the prices for EVs in G- January of 22 versus January 23 they were down 8.8% and then if you go forward every month February 23 versus February 22 it goes from 8.8% January, 138 February, 168 March, 24% April, down 28.9% May, and down 29.5% June. So when you have not just falling EV prices, but increasingly falling mm-hmm. prices, and every month is more of a fall than the previous month right. compared to a year earlier, it's pretty impossible to ignore that number and ignore that trend line. Um, so yeah, EV prices have... Collapsed is not an uh, overly <laughs> dramatic word here, um, and I think it makes sense on multiple levels. Right? You yeah. have so many factors that were playing for EVs a uh, year and a half ago: uh, turbulent gas prices, um, plenty of you know money flowing through the economy, not high interest rates yet, uh, you know, and just a lot of push and a lot of popular narrative about we got to go EV, we got to go EV, and a year and a half later. You've got inflation and interest rates that are making people more nervous about spending money. You've got stabilized gas prices. And I've always said it's not the price of gas that freaks people out. It's the unstable price of gas, right. whether it settles in at 380 mm-hmm. or 550 Once it settles, people get less nervous, and they get less scared about driving a car that uses gas versus um, a hybrid or a pure electric. So all these things. And then, of course, you had Tesla and Elon, who really (laughs) own the EV market, they're the bulk bulk of it, going into a price war both in China and in the U.S., dropping Mm -hmm. his prices, trying to maintain his production and sales numbers, figuring those were more important, at least in the near term, than his profit numbers. And when you drop the price of new Teslas, guess what happens to the price of used Teslas (laughs) and really the price of all used EVs? Yeah. So everything came together in this past, yeah, 18, 16, 18 months. And all of a sudden EV prices on the used market have collapsed.
1: Yeah, I just, I, I find this trend to be so crazy. So when people are um, trading in their IV, IVs, EVs, I don't know where my brain is at the moment. Um, it, when people are trading in their EVs, um, do you know, do you get the sense of, or do you know um, if people are trading them in for other EVs or are they going back to gas vehicles?
3: I think you see a little of both. Um, I think you definitely have people who give EVs a try and are not Interested in doing it again. Um, and then I think you have other people who maybe give EVs a try. They want to keep doing it, but they're probably also watching the prices. Mm-hmm. And maybe they're like, I'm not going to go get another EV now when I have reason to believe if I wait a little while, I can get one for cheaper. So it all kind of multiplies on itself when once the trend line starts for prices to drop, you know, people get nervous about buying them. And, and then I just think people are more nervous today than they were a year and a half ago because. When you are a consumer and things start to make you nervous, a lot of tech companies <laughs> lie, laying people off, mm-hmm. uh, you're paying almost twice as much for you know groceries as you were a year and a half ago because of inflation. When things make you nervous, you tend to be less, less uh, risky, more risk averse. Mm-hmm. If you haven't ever bought an EV before, and you have to pay more for the equivalent EV than an internal combustion car, and you have to pay more for the money you got to borrow to buy the EV because of interest rate. Do you really want to go buy an EV right now? I think a lot of people look at all those circumstances I just said and and are saying, I was thinking of one a year ago. Now I'm not ready to do that.
1: Right. Well, so with a whole bunch of used EVs on the market and the prices plummeting, I I know like a lot of times people are really concerned about buying used EV because of the price, well, because of the battery life. And, you know, that's like one of the big. negatives that people always cite. well, you know, declining battery and, you know, I'm going to buy this vehicle and 10 years later, it's only going to have 10% of its battery life, which, by the way, is not true. Um, mm-hmm. but, but people like really cite battery life as one of the reasons why they would never buy used. But if somebody were going to buy used, it seems like now would be probably a really good time to do that because prices are so low. Um, do you have thoughts on, uh, advice on, like, what a good used EV might be?
3: Well, I look at something like the Chevrolet Bolt, which mm-hmm. they're about to stop making and which still qualifies for all the incentives. And that's a big one, that that second part, because a lot of vehicles, as you guys know, like the EV6 and mm-hmm. the uh, and the Ionic 5 and 6 from Hyundai and Kia, Fallen out of favor with the Inflation Reduction Act, Mm. you can't get the seventy five hundred dollar credit on them. But you still can on a lot of the domestic EVs. So you look at something like a Bolt, and it's you know priced between like thirty and thirty five, depending on how you uh, what trim you get and what how you equip it. But that's before a seventy five hundred dollar federal and a very likely twenty five or more. I was just hearing crazy numbers on like what. Colorado, my home state, where I grew up, is doing on EVs mm-hmm. crazy numbers on like fifteen thousand dollar incentives. There, well, I don't know if this wow. is true. I want to do more research. Yeah.
0: But let's <laughs> pretend
3: that you get twenty five hundred dollars, which I think is almost like minimal on any from any state. Mm-hmm. You get ten thousand between twenty five from your state and seventy five from the federal government on a bolt. That means you're going to be paying in the low twenties or right at twenty, depending on uh, how you equip it when you purchase it. A $20,000 EV that gets a 250 mile range. I mean, that's just a pretty functional car for $20,000. And I feel like I don't know how you go wrong on that. Yes, there's newer EVs coming and there's going to be the, the, um, Equinox EV mm-hmm. that sounds really compelling from, from GM. But of course it's not going to be priced uh, like the bolt is. So I, I think if you can get any EV with incentives rolled in, for around twenty to twenty five thousand dollars, and it's got at least a two hundred to three hundred mile range. Hopefully, more is better. Always, then that's that's just not a bad deal, assuming everything else works for you. You've got a place to charge it. Um, you know, you can afford the financing. Your daily commute doesn't mean you're going to be you know running through the infrastructure and having to charge multiple times during the day. If all those things otherwise work for you, it's not a bad time to buy a new or used EV.
1: Right, and and so like if you were going to buy a used one. Which w- Would you go back to the Bolt, or is there something else that you would look at? Would you go to Tesla?
3: I mean, you can get it. First of all, you can get incentives on used EVs now, too. I think it's $4,000, depending as long as you meet all the requirements, which is pretty cool, too. So, uh, you know, Tesla always worries me because <laughs> of poch- post-purchase issues. I'm always afraid, from mm-hmm. what I guarantee, that I'm going to have something fail or some idiot's going to bang into me. And it's going to take three months to get the car back because right. of uh, pr- problems with the supplies for, for them. Now, that's probably unfounded. And I'm probably overly worried about that. But I would just have more concern about that than, say, a Bolt if I bought one of those for used used
1: EV. Right. I mean, not to mention the fact that um, Chevrolet has actual service centers, whereas I think te- right. Tesla's are more like a mobile service centers.
3: Yeah, there's a network of support out there for your Bolt, and there's a much, much smaller, depending on where you live. Now, I'm in Southern California, so for me to say I'm worried about finding a Tesla service center is kind of idiotic. They're going to be all over the place here, but plenty of people aren't in that circumstance. Mm -hmm. You know, if you live in Wyoming, a Tesla might be a lot more challenging to service after you buy it.
2: You know, Carl, what I wonder is, even though used EV prices are dropping solo, and that's really appealing If you balance that low price with the fear of like, I'm buying something with a used battery, like Jill said, that's really not something people should be worrying about, but people do. Do you think that's really going to, people are going to still go used because they're so cheap or do you think they'd be more likely to say, okay, I would spend a little bit more because the fear of buying a used one is higher. Do you think it's going to impact new EV sales significantly?
3: You know, People need to remember uh, the, the now I can't, I can't believe I'm sitting here or not. Is it eight years, 100,000 miles or 10 years? E- yeah. used EV, uh, EV batteries, specifically the battery packs mm-hmm. have crazy long uh, warranties. It's like a federal requirement.
1: Yeah. I think it's so, 10 years. Maybe.
3: I think it's 10 years. Yeah. So, and a hundred plus thousand, maybe it's 10, 120, 10 years, 120,000 miles, something like that. So you're looking for a used EV. If you buy a 20, 18 a 2019 EV you're you're halfway through with its its warranty period if it's got less than 60,000 miles and it's less than uh 6 years old you still have half of the warranty mm. left on that battery you could drive it for 4 years and still sell it with another 2 years and depending on how many miles left on it so people need to do their research confirm the warranty coverage on an, on a used EV and confirm where it is within that warranty coverage but in that circumstance I just described. If you've got five plus years and 50, 60 plus thousand miles of coverage on a a EV battery, that wouldn't slow me down from buying a used EV.
2: Yeah, and I just looked it up. The federal requirement is, you're you're right, it's eight years or 100,000 miles. It was if you heard keyboard clicking, that was me. (laughs) Eight years or 100,000 miles. Although many of them offer up to it, like depending on the automaker, it might be longer than that eight years. But the, yeah, the minimum they require is eight years, 100,000 miles, which is a long time and a lot of miles.
3: <laughs> and I think like Hyundai's got like a crazy one. They might have is it like life of the car as long yeah, as Yeah, Hyundai's is really good. I don't really know if that good. includes yeah. if you sell it or something, but they have a crazy long one specifically on their battery. So so, you know, again, battery concerns are viable. They can make up half or more percent of the car's total value and you could spend, you know, you could buy a used EV for let's just pretend you get one for 15, 16,000 and it, the battery could cost you 8 or 10 if you had to replace it. So certainly a worthy concern, but also something that's covered by warranties. And if you do your research, you confirm how long you've got left.
1: No, I, I feel like it's definitely very interesting with the, the life of the battery. And I, I didn't even take into consideration the fact that there is a, um, a warranty on the batteries but I, I like that was in the back of my head and obviously i was wrong
2: because i was like 10 years 10 years but eight years um but but and, you I know even well you're only you're only half wrong jill because <laughs> when carl was saying that there were longer it looks like i'm, I'm googling again um <laughs> it's 10 years and a 100 to a miles on hyundais depending on the model and the battery i guess it's sort of like specific too so you could have up to 150,000 miles in 10 years. That's a long time. Yeah. So, like, it's a fear that people have. It's, I think that, you know, EVs are just such like we're used to them because this is all our life, right? We, right? we we live and breathe cars. It's what all three of us do. So, for us, like, yeah, EVs, batteries, yada, yada. But for other people, this is still very, very new technology and it's a little intimidating. And, you know, for the number of people that see me plug in an EV in my driveway when it snows, they're like, oh my gosh. Isn't that gonna catch fire i'm like no we're good <laughs> people still need a lot of education yeah. Yeah. and it's not a making fun of them it's just sort of like yeah. a step back like there's a lot of education that still needs to happen here so that people understand what they can and can't do and and uh, the the strength of evs versus you know the, the fears it might not be really warranted yeah right
1: i i feel like i took a picture of me uh charging an ev in the rain And you should have seen some of the comments on there about, you know, me being electrocuted and and all of that. And I'm like, no, 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 they wouldn't they wouldn't do that. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, you're right. There's definitely needs to be more education. I'm glad we're having this conversation because um, the the more we know, the more we can share. And um, hopefully, hopefully somebody out there learned something that they did not know today from our conversation. Uh, but we are getting ready to run out of time for this segment. Um, and so, Carl, I just, is there is there anything else that you would like to talk about? Are, are there places that you would like to direct people on social media? How can people find you and what
3: you do? Sure. We've got another study coming out tomorrow with my cigars. cars. we just, I'm like editing this afternoon, putting together the email for all the media. But it's going to be a good one. And, um, you know, I think I'll, I, maybe I'll break our own embargo here. And basically, Woohoo. I'm going to we're going to be talking about the affordability of used cars in general. Now, mm. you ask anyone, hey, have prices gone up on cars, especially used cars, since the pandemic? Um, Yeah, I think they have gone up. Okay. They've gone up a lot. We all know that. But we have hard numbers now, exactly how much the average used car is in 2019 or was in 2019 and is in 2023. And the increase on average is 47.7%. Mm. So almost a 50% increase in used car on average sale prices. But more crazy is, the average used car, all these same average used cars, have 20% more miles on them, too. Oh, so wow. you have to pay 50% more <laughs> for a car that's 20% more used than you did four years ago. That's, that's really crazy. And I feel how like many your math is used... right, but it
2: should be broken. I feel like that's right. I'm sure you did your research, but I feel like that sounds broken, Carl. <laughs> oh,
3: it's totally counterintuitive. We're like, wait a second, you're paying more for cars that are more used, uh, more used up. And cars like something like a CRV or a RAV4, these were sub-$20,000 used cars, or right at 20000 I should say, used cars. They're up, like, substantially in price, and they have twice as many miles. They're, they're miles on them for the same – base. You know, in, other, in other words, we're looking at the average car that's for sale and then the average miles they've got on them. And the average CRV and, and RAV4 have gone up from 20000 to, like, $28,000. they have gone up almost 50%. And they have 100%. Instead of having like on the average used market uh, vehicle having like 40 or 30 or 40,000 miles, they have like 80,000 miles for that higher price you pay. Those are just two specific examples. So all the sensations and intuitiveness that we kind of have had or seen mm-hmm. the reports of this month and that month, this car's were. we now have a very comprehensive look at both the price and mileage odometer readings on used cars in 2019 versus 2023. And it's a little depressing for a more used
1: up car. Yeah. For for those of us who uh, buy used cars, uh, and I'm one of those people, that is a insert sad trombone moment.
3: (laughs) So, yeah. So we
1: can see the study tomorrow on iccars.com. I always find your reports incredibly interesting and useful. So definitely be sure to check that out. Will it also be shared out on social media?
3: Yeah, yeah, we'll be shooting it out and we'll send it out to a lot of our media friends. So hopefully they can pick up on it. And see, you know, I think you guys are on our media distribution list, but yep. yeah, the thing thing will be sent out. And uh, you know, we get CPI coming right. Uh, the Bureau of Labor, or whatever, is going to release their CPI on um, Thursday, I believe. So it'll be very interesting to kind of cross that with our latest information on how many more cars, how much more cars Boston, how much more cars cost, and how many less cars you can buy on the used market for under 20 grand compared to four years ago (sighs)
1: so on that depressing note (laughs) (laughs) sorry
3: sorry to bring you down on the show nice job carl
1: thanks for that (laughs) uh so that was carl brower with IC cars and we are going to take a break and when we come back um unfortunately for nicole i'm going to take a stab at giving her a car quiz
0: oh no Questions or comments? Drop us a line at carstuff at consumerguide.com. That's carstuff at consumerguide.com. Welcome back to the Car Stuff Podcast.
1: All right, we are back, and yeah, no, I'm still not Tom. Um, but this is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast, and since. Um, I gave out a shout out to Tom's social media in the previous segment. I figure uh, Nicole and I should share what ours are. And um, I mentioned that um, I am a contributing editor at Consumer Guide, but I'm also the managing editor at Pickup Truck Plus SUV Talk, which is PickupTruckTalk.com. So a lot of my uh, work, so all of my car stuff goes to Tom, but hashtag car stuff podcast. But all of my truck and SUV stuff goes to PickupTruckTalk.com. And I am on all of the social medias mediums, medias, uh, at <laughs> Jill Simonello, so just my name. Um, and I, instead of using the car spotter hashtag, I use a hashtag called car Dujour because I'm usually talking about the cars that I'm driving today. Uh, but I am on TikTok, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, um, threads. I'm now on Threads. I'm on Post. I'm on all of the things just by my name, and I'm not going to spell it. So maybe just look for the Car Spotter hashtag. Um, uh, how about you, Nicole? Are, are
2: you just uh, on Twitter, or are you on all the things? No, I'm on all the things. I'm on uh, Twitter and Threads and YouTube and TikTok and Facebook and Instagram. I feel like I'm getting them all. And I too am just my name. It's just Nicole Wakelin on all of those things. I C O L E. W-A-K-E-L-I-N. See, I did spell it. I decided to go through the whole thing. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So if you Google me, you can find um, all my, and I put up little short, little quick videos every single day. That's my fun thing. And there's always a treat in every single one of my videos on the interior of a car. You have to look for it. Sometimes it's hidden. Sometimes it's right out there in the open uh, because I have a sweet tooth. So I always put something in there that's yummy and tasty to on. They're not sad. sad. They're not sad. They're not sad. They're the happiest of treats, I tell you. Um, Yeah, because I'm a big fan of of cookies in particular. So there's generally a cookie somewhere on the dashboard in the cup holder inside the center console. So you got to watch and see what kind of and you got to try and figure out what kind of cookie it is because there's always different kinds.
1: Yeah, you know, I just feel very challenged. I am going to have to make you a sad cookie
2: you like. (laughs) I don't know. That's a pretty tall order, Jill. If I really genuinely like it, I will tell you. But So for the ones that you randomly... But I haven't actually made any of the ones that I've randomly given you. This is true. Everything we bought has been either we had some packaged ones someplace like it was a pack at some um, event. Those were not really good. Those are really bad. But then we've had some. (laughs) They were like really horrible. She's like, you should try this. I'm Like, these are horrible. I'm eating hay. But then there's um, (laughs) we've had some like where there's been a chef who has actually like made them at an event like I made these gluten free cookies or these gluten free pastries. And they're like palatable but i would not seek them out i would seek out the butter filled ones right next to it that look happy yeah
1: whatever i will take my sad cookies and i'm like picking up my toys and i'm going home going home Um, yeah i'm not going to share with you no i like my sad cookies um all right so enough sad talk uh we are uh moving on to the quiz it is quiz time I'm a little nervous. No, don't be nervous. Okay. Um, But I do have to make a small admission. I cheated on the quiz. (gasps) Joe! I know, I know. Um, I'm not good at making up quizzes, and I have no idea how Tom does this every week. Um, So I borrowed questions from UsefulTrivia.com. Okay. So, but I thought they were interesting, and um, when I went through them, I did not get them all. So I'm not going to tell you which ones I got wrong, Okay, <laughs> but right. you may have better luck than I do. And this is just general car trivia. That is the okay. theme of this quiz. Oh
2: gosh, I'm terrible at car trivia. Okay, go ahead.
1: No, no, I think you will be better at this than what you think. I didn't know about the taillight color and the land cruiser.
2: I'm <laughs> it's not out. that
1: obscure. It's not that obscure. I swear <laughs> it's not that obscure. All right. So are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Don't don't sound so scared. It's fine. OK, I swear it's fine. <laughs> oh, and I guess I should tell you, if you get a three out of five, you win. What do I win? Uh, a sad cookie. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as I said that, I'm like, you set yourself up. You Nicole. get a sad cookie. So you're deliberately not going to win now. Um, Shoot, I don't know any of the answers. <laughs> nope. You actually have to try. I will uh, try. All right. So, OK, question number one. Um, what is generally, and these are multiple choice, so you actually have a really good chance. Um, okay. What is generally considered to be the first pony car? The Chevrolet Camaro, the Pontiac Firebird, the Mercury Cougar, or the Ford Mustang? I mean, I'm going to say
2: Ford Mustang. Are you sure? Is that your final answer? That's my final answer because it's the only thing I really think of as a pony car. All right. Okay, so in, according
1: to, but really a pony, okay, so, uh, all right, um, you were right, you were right, <laughs> according to useful trivia, um, although Plymouth enthusiasts insist that the Barracuda beat the Mustang to the market by two weeks, it was the Ford Mustang first introduced at the New York World's Fair on April 17th, 1964, they captured the imagination of the American public and guaranteed the success of the pony car. Yeah, see, it
2: started it. I it knew it. It started that. it. Totally got this. Now I'm going to blow every other question. I'm going to mess up. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> no, no, no. There's no messing up here. I would say there are no wrong answers, but there are clearly wrong answers. There are. <laughs> uh, all right. So, what was the first Japanese car to be produced in the United States? The Mazda Miata, the Toyota Camry, the Honda Accord, or the Nissan Maxima? Oh get to be produced in the United States? Like, made
2: here? Yes. Like, built in a factory here? Oh, I, gosh. I, yeah. Yep. Uh, who I don't know who first had what was waited? What was it again? Real quick,
1: Miata, Camry, Accord, and Maxima. Uh, I'm gonna go Camry. You are wrong. Oh. It was it was the Honda Accord in 1982.
2: All I could think of was I know that Toyota has all this stuff now about how much production they actually do here, and I had in my head for that yep Honda Accord rolled off
1: the assembly line at the
2: Maryville Auto Plant in Ohio in
1: November of 1982 wow okay Um, this is an easy one if you don't get this one I will be very surprised uh oh not that I'm setting you up for a fall or anything I know okay what year was the first Corvette introduced 1973 1963 1943
2: or 1953 Oh god, it's 63 or 53, it has to be, and I don't know which. Oh, crud. Uh, I'm going 1963, and I think I'm wrong. I think it's 1953. What's your final answer? 63. 53. Shoot! (laughs) I couldn't remember. I'm like, oh gosh, there's a lot of pressure here. No pressure, (laughs) no pressure. All right, so
1: you have one point so far. You have (sighs) two more questions, and you have to get them both right. Oh gosh. But there is a bonus question, so if you miss one, there is still a redeeming something. Okay? okay. Okay. All right, so what was the first car launched into space? Was it a Rinspeed Oasis, a Rolls-Royce Vision? 100, a Tesla Roadster or a Porsche 911?
2: That'd be the Roadster, the Tesla. That would be correct. I knew that one. I didn't even think about that one. I'm gonna roll now. In February of twenty eighteen, Elon Musk
1: launched a Tesla Roadster into orbit. Um, alright. Final question. You've got to get this one, kind of. You gotta okay. get it. I, I think you'll get it. Although I'm not gonna I'm not gonna set you up for the fall this time. Cause I'll be honest hey. with you, I did not know the answer to this.
2: Oh gosh. Okay, go but for that,
1: it. But that's only because I don't drive this vehicle very often. Okay. What animal is on the Porsche logo? Is it a bull, a horse, a bird, or a lion?
2: It's a oh my gosh! I'm totally drawing a blank. I cannot remember what the like uh bull, What was it? Is bull a horse, a bird, or a lion? Or a lion. A bull? No, that's Lamborghini, isn't it? Shoot, a horse? I can't remember. Final answer: a horse. You got it. It is. Yay.
1: <laughs> so you have officially won the quiz. You got three out yay. of five. Correct. But um, as Tom likes to say, because this is what we do here, we are going on to the bonus question. Um, and and um, on your podcast, we talked oh, yes. about one of my favorite things in Chicago because um, you wanted me to give you a treat, like one of the places that I like to go for treats. And, and yes. I contend this is not a sad treat. It is Micos Italian Ice, which is located in Logan Square, and um, I actually um, decide where I live based on the um, location of the um, <laughs> Micos Italian Ice. So I'm always within walking distance of there. So we talked about this on your podcast.
2: Yes, and, and I agree. It's not sad because it's not. It's not being made sad because you took stuff out of it. It's just made that way to begin with. It's when you take out the happiness and substitute sadness that it really becomes sad. But this is made that way for everybody, so, so it's, it's not, not sad. sad. Okay, Mm-mm. so here's here's the bonus
1: question. Um, what is not a regular flavor at Miko's Italian Ice? Oh, gosh. So, we have five options here. orchata, passion fruit, tamarind kiwi or lime which
2: one is not a regular flavor oh gosh okay i'm gonna go with passion fruit only because it sounds like a summer flavor and i know you said they have some seasonal flavors and passion fruit sounds very seasonal so i'm gonna go with passion fruit
1: it is not passion fruit.
2: Passion fruit is on there a lot. It's okay, my second choice is going to be tamarind, because that's just weird.
1: <laughs> and, and tamarind would be correct, but I think horchata Tamarind's is weird,
2: too, so I but don't know. Horchata is, like, I think a more, like, like a more commonly accepted flavor. Tamarind's like, what the heck is that? Like, I feel like a lot of people don't even know what that one is. I should have just gone with my gut instinct and said tamarind. Dang it. Yeah,
1: well, you know, but you still won, which means you do won. have a sad dessert on the way.
2: And may- maybe if
1: you come to Chicago, it could be a
2: Miko's Italian Ice, which is not bad. I just need to do that. I just need to fly to <laughs> Chicago and, and try this weird Tamarind Italian Ice and one that I actually think I like yeah. while I'm there. <laughs> exactly.
1: Um, all right, so we are actually pretty much running out of time. Um, I, I apparently talk too much when I'm left to my own devices. I need Tom to come back to help me I keep keep me <laughs> to on track. You in. <laughs> to rein me in, to keep me on track. Uh, but is there anything big that you are working on um,
2: in terms of big stories? Like if
1: you have like 30 seconds
2: 30 seconds no my big story is my own podcast the road reflective where I'm, I'm have some really cool guests lined up that's my big story you got to listen to find out who my next cool guest is going to be and you can find it on any place that podcasts are located any place where you find podcasts you can find it at apple and stitcher and spotify and all the podcatchers out there Got it. All right. So the road
1: reflected um, and be sure to catch the episode Nicole and I did together. Uh, We talked about the Lexus GX, which is built on the same platform as the Toyota Land Cruiser that we talked about today. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm sensing a little bit of a theme here. But I think that is about all we have for this week. Um, I talked a lot, and I miss Tom reigning me in. Next week, we have Tim Esterdahl on the show, and he will be my guest host talking about truck things. Tim has been on the show before. He is my boss, partner? I don't know. One of those things. Maybe I'm his boss. I don't know. We'll talk about that next week and we'll, we'll get into the debate. But I just want to say a shout out to Toxone Radio, to our producer, Randy, and thank everybody for making this episode and this show happen. Um, I totally did not write notes on my closure, so I'm winging it. But I just want to say thank you to everybody because um, this is my first show I've ever done by myself. Woohoo! I think it went okay. Good job, Jill. <laughs> so thanks for listening, and uh, we will be back next week with more Car Stuff.
0: Remember to check us out at ConsumerGuide.com. The Car Stuff podcast is produced by J-Turn Media. To advertise on the show, please drop us a line at CarStuff at ConsumerGuide.com.